Chapter One of Hager's Daughter, A Story of Southern Caste Prejudice. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Novella Serena. Hager's Daughter, A Story of Southern Caste Prejudice by Pauline Hopkins. Chapter One in the fall of eighteen sixty a stranger visiting the united states would have thought that nothing short of a miracle could preserve the union of states so proudly proclaimed by the signers of the declaration of independence and so gloriously maintained by the gallant washington the nomination of abraham lincoln for the presidency by the republican party was inevitable the pro-slavery democracy was drunk with rage at the prospect of losing control of the situation which up to that time had needed scarcely an effort to bind in riveted chains impenetrable alike to the power of man or the frowns of the godhead they had inaugurated a system of mob law and terrorism against all sympathizers with the despised party the columns of partisan newspapers teemed each day in the year with descriptions of disgraceful scenes enacted north and south by pro-slavery men do more to the long-accustomed subserviency of northern people to the slaveholders than to a real personal hatred of the negro the free negroes north and south and those slaves with the hearts of freemen who had boldly taken the liberty denied by man felt the general spirit of unrest and uncertainty which was spreading over the country to such an alarming extent the subdued tone of the liberal portion of the press the humiliating offers of compromise from northern political leaders and the numerous cases of surrendering fugitive slaves to their former masters sent a thrill of mortal fear into the very heart of many a household where peace and comfort had reigned for many years the fugitive slave had perhaps won the heart of some northern free woman they had married prospered and were happy now came the haunting dread of a stealthy tread an ominous knock a muffled cry at midnight and the sunlight of the new day would smile upon a broken-hearted woman with baby hands clinging to her skirts and children's voices asking in vain for their father lost to them for ever the negro felt that there was no safety for him beneath the stars and stripes and so feeling sacrificed his home and personal effects and fled to canada the southerners were in earnest and would listen to no proposals in favor of their continuance in the union under existing conditions namely lincoln and the republican party the vast wealth of the south made them feel that they were independent of the world cotton was not merely king it was god moral considerations were nothing drunk with power and dazzled with prosperity monopolizing cotton and raising it to the influence of a veritable fetish the authors of the rebellion did not admit a doubt of the success of their attack on the federal government they dreamed of perpetuating slavery though all history shows the decline of the system as industry commerce and knowledge advance the slaveholders proposed nothing less than to reverse the currents of humanity and to make barbarism flourish in the bosom of civilization the south argued that the principle of right would have no influence over starving operatives and england and france as well as the eastern states of the union 
would stand aghast and yield to the master stroke which should deprive them of the material of their labor millions of the laboring class were dependent upon it in all the great centers of civilization it was only necessary to wave the sceptre over the nations and all of them would acknowledge the power which wielded it but alas the supreme error of this anticipation was in emitting from the calculation the power of principle right still had authority in the councils of nations factories might be closed men and women out of employment but truth and justice still commanded respect among men the pro-slavery men in the north encouraged the rebels before breaking out of the war they promised to the south that civil war should reign in every free state in case of an uprising of the southern oligarchy and that men should not be permitted to go south to put down their brothers in rebellion weak as were the southern people in point of numbers and political power compared with those of the north yet they easily persuaded themselves that they could successfully cope in arms with a northern foe whom they affected to despise for his cowardly and mercenary disposition they indulged the belief in proud confidence that their great political prestige would continue to serve them among party associates at the north and that the counsels of the adversary would be distracted and his power weakened by the effects of dissension when the republican banner bearing the names of abraham lincoln for president and hannibal hamlin for vice-president flung its folds to the breeze in eighteen sixty there was a panic of apprehension at such bold manoeuvring mob law reigned in boston utica and new york city which witnessed the greatest destruction of property in the endeavor to put down the growing public desire to abolish slavery elijah lovejoy's innocent blood spoke in trumpet tones to the reformer from his quiet grave by the rolling river william lloyd garrison's outraged manhood brought the blush of shame to the cheek of the honest american who loved his country's honor better than any individual institution the memory of charles sumner's brutal beating by preston brooks stamped the mad passions of the hour indelibly upon history's page debate in the senate became fiery and dangerous as the crisis approached in the absorbing question of the perpetuation of slavery at the south laws were enacted abridging the freedom of speech and press it was difficult for northerners to travel in slave states rev charles t tory was sentenced to the maryland penitentiary for aiding slaves to escape jonathan walker had been branded with a red-hot iron for the same offence in the midst of the tumult came the dread scott decision and the smouldering fire broke forth with renewed vigor each side waited impatiently for the result of the balloting in november the rubicon was passed and abraham lincoln was duly elected president contrary to the wishes and in defiance of the will of the haughty south there was much talk of a conspiracy to prevent by fraud or violence a declaration of the result of the election by the vice-president before the two houses as provided by law as the eventful day drew near patriotic hearts were sick with fear or filled with forebodings would the certificates fail to appear would they be wrested by violence from the hands ordered to bear them across the rotunda from the senate chamber to the hall of the house or would they be suppressed by the only official who could open them john c breckinridge of kentucky himself a candidate and in full sympathy with rebellion a breathless silence painfully intense reigned in the crowded chamber as the vice-president arose to declare the result of the election 
six feet in height, lofty in carriage, youthful, dashing, he stood before them pale and nervous. The galleries were packed with hostile conspirators. It was the supreme moment in the life of the Republic. With unfaltering utterance, his voice broke the oppressive stillness. I therefore declare Abraham Lincoln duly elected President of the United States for the term of four years from the 4th of March next. It was the signal for secession, and the South let loose the dogs of war. End of chapter 1 Recording by Novella Serena